Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. Today we have EJ Lee back. He makes good on his promise to return to continue our conversation, kind of talk about the things we had originally planned on talking about last time. So we opened with uh, my promise to tell him why I was intimidated by him. Um, and then we get into the different ways that EJ impacts his community and how you can also impact your community. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy. Hello, EJ. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, thank you so much for coming back. I know I, I really put you on the spot last time um, <laughs> asking you to come back on the podcast, not really leaving you any choices, but but I'm glad you're back. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm glad to be back. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I was kidding, but I was totally, totally wanting a second date. Too, so <laughs> I was thinking that date went really well. So <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for getting me back on. Yeah, so of quickly. course. Um, Thank you so much for uh, making the time. And uh, yeah, I know last time we left it on kind of a cliffhanger. Um, and the cliffhanger was I revealed to EJ that the reason why it took me so long um, in inviting him to the podcast was that I was intimidated by EJ. Um, so, I mean, does that surprise you, EJ? Or does it, have you had experiences like that before? Um, yes. Well, hmm. It's kind of hard to say because no one's actually confessed it to me, but there has been a couple people that have gone the other way, right? So in some ways, I'm I'm under the assumption that you thought I was intimidating at first, mm -hmm. and then my hope is because you asked me back that you don't find me as intimidating. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it was more of a, your own kind of construct. Mm -hmm. um, I've had people come the other way and said hey EJ I thought you thought you were like super cool and then I got to know you and you're like really intimidating <laughs> um so yeah I yeah I've, I've obviously I've found myself on both sides but the lowest common denominator being is that I I guess I come off intimidating which hmm. is a kind of a weird word and honestly I was thinking because um yeah I I realized that the episode that you uh dropped last week where we spoke was number 99 yes and i'm thinking wow it took him 99 episodes before <laughs> he asked me and i was like man that you know not to say that the korean circles in atlanta i don't know do you just interview koreans is it predominantly uh, asians asian americans mm -hmm. okay so yeah i mean granted yeah there's a lot of asian americans um but you know our circles are pretty small mm -hmm. and they're the degrees of separation are not that wide right so yeah. Um, anyway, all that to say, it was number 99. I was like, wow, David, you took 99 <laughs> episodes to like finally ask me. Uh -huh. and this is fine because I'm now we're doing back to back. So I feel like we're kind of making up for lost time. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I will say this. So, first of all, like for those of you who don't know, EJ was part of the KTL podcast, right, as a host. So, you are, I, I think Im immediately when I first started my podcast, I was like a little intimidated and in asking anyone who had podcast experience to come on as a pod, like as a guest, yeah. almost like, like, why would they take a step down from the platform that they were on to be a guest on my smaller like platform? Right. So that, that was factor number one. 
Okay. Um, okay, that, hold on. Before you go factor number two, <laughs> I just want to, I want to insert the fact that I actually, I ended up uh, in the last few episodes kind of co-hosting with Danny. Mm -hmm. So it was actually Danny's podcast and mm -hmm. he started ATL like years and years before. And then I kind of jumped in and somehow like, I don't know how I got looped in, but um, I was always kind of like plan B, plan C. <laughs> You know That's what right. I mean? So I yeah. actually had to do my time. Like I was riding the bench. <laughs> I would be showing up and just kind of dropping, you know, a couple commentaries here and there. Mm -hmm. But I was like kind of the off mic guy. Um, and so, yeah. So, yeah, just for the record, it wasn't yeah. like, you know, I started the podcast. Right, right. Host on the podcast. I was kind of a plan B, plan C. And when people started dropping, they're like, all right, EJ, you might as well just <laughs> stay on because you seem to like to talk. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so that that that's the backstory to KTL. <laughs> no, but you, even before you were kind of um, host throughout the entire episodes near the end, mm -hmm. um, Danny always did ask you like, EJ, do you have any thoughts like near the end? Right. And you always kind of dropped your like thoughts on on like things. So, it, you know, like it, it wasn't like you were just someone who was there. Like it was someone they like people <laughs> respected and like wanted to know your thoughts on things. Right. So okay, sure. Fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you, you had a certain level of stature, right, um, on the podcast. It wasn't like you were just someone they picked off off the street to to uh, like talk on the podcast. Right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> my my interpretation was I just kept on hanging around, hanging around until they were like, fine, like, let's give them, <laughs> give them a couple minutes. And then, you know, anyway, anyway, but yeah. Um, so and then factor number two is you are. Whenever I saw you, um, like like we were saying, we, we never overlapped at Humpbeat. Um, I had left, and then you you came in. So I never really met you in a purely like social uh, environment. I feel like it was whenever we did interact, it was always at like an event or some sort of meeting with an agenda. So you were you were, and I feel like you have this. Um, man on a mission type of vibe where like <laughs> if you're at a location for a specific purpose like you like you want to see that purpose through right like if like for example with like servants network there were several times like you know you were there um and like the theme of the night was like um i don't know i forget what we did like worship how to do worship better or like or, like things like that so like a lot of the conversations revolved around those topics right and there was one particular time where there was like a a leadership meeting where Joe Song, um, who started Service Network, he called um, a lot of the like leaders that he knew around, and then he brought the Service Letter, a Service Network core team in, which I'm a part of, and you were one of the leaders that he like brought in to like discuss, you know, like vision casting and like things like how do we do things better, right? right. Um, and in that, I mean, the situation called for it, but you were very much like business minded, right? Like I, I'm on bit, like, I, I don't want to talk about like, like the little things, like let's get to business and like, let's talk <laughs> about this thing. So that was the context uh, in which I interacted with you most, uh -huh. right? So uh -huh. um, yeah, like for, and, and, and factor number three is I, I have this thing, like I'm, I'm figuring this out through therapy is that um, I have a certain level of imposter syndrome and like uh like am i good enough to be at the table kind of thing wow. and e even if the table is just two people like interacting like this do i am i worthy enough almost wow. right so 
and be, because of factors one and two, where I've already kind of like, oh, like EG is this type of person. Mm -hmm. um, I had to ask myself, like, do I have anything of value to to give to EJ um, or like it, during the podcast? Like, it, can I be of value to this person? Like, am I just going to be wasting his time? Um, and so, yeah, those three combined, like, yeah, it was just, yeah, I don't think, like, in my mind, like, mm -hmm. I don't think EJ would gain anything out of a podcast with me or even maybe like a social relationship with me. So that, that's where um, the whole intimidation thing started. Got it. Yeah. So what finally, there's a few things I do want to talk about, but mm -hmm. what, what finally kind of got you to be like, I mean, was it just like running out of people? Like what, mm. what was it that finally was like, all right, I'm going to, because I remember you, you just texted, you know, yeah. you shot me a message and then basically it was, you know, like yeah. you just, we were on the next week, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, right, I, right? I feel like it was pretty, pretty easy and straightforward, but what finally got you to send that first text? So um, the beginning of the year with this podcast, um, I kind of had a new energy about it. Um, okay. I started th saying, you know, like, um, I, I feel like I've done this enough that I won't be a complete waste of time for the people mm -hmm. who come mm -hmm. on. And like, mm -hmm. I have enough of an audience that I feel like um, the message, like whatever message they have, whatever story they have, like it will disseminate to enough people that I feel like it's not a complete waste of time. So that's kind of like a minority factor in that. But, but the other factor is um, I'm actively trying to stop looking at relationships and this weird like transactional view, like lens that I have. Mm -hmm. like Because like I, I see how weird and twisted it is. Like it's not healthy. Um, and I, I almost feel like, um, yeah, I'm like, hey, like I'm going to give you this, you give me this, and this is a relationship. Like it's so transactional and impersonal. Yeah that I'm, I'm just kind of stepping out um, to try to like, cause I've identified it and I'm, I'm trying to just fix it. So yeah, I love I mean, that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, but I will say up until the pretty much up until like the middle of the recording of our last episode, mm -hmm. I was still very much like, oh my gosh, I really hope this is not a waste of time to EJ. Like, I hope <laughs> he's enjoying this at least, you know? Um, but then oh, I think man. I, uh, it kind of like went away, like near the end. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Do you feel like there's, um, is there anything that you feel like that I could do better to, you know, in the case that there's other people hmm. that, I don't know, not to say that there would be any other people, but if there were other people that were like, Hey, I, I'd like to talk, uh, mm -hmm. whether to me or maybe even just advice, mm -hmm. you know, like, like, what would you give someone that is feeling maybe very similar thoughts? Because, you know, at the end of the day, David, I feel like some of the things that you describe, particularly around like, me being kind of business, all business, um, mm -hmm. is probably not that far off, depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. But I think more importantly, this, this notion of imposter syndrome, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like to some degree, like we all we all feel this, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I don't know if it's, again, I, I have some theories, but um, I don't think uh, it's bound to particularly our Asian Americanness. but at the same time, I don't think it helps. Mm. Yeah. Um, our culture, I don't think really like helps lift ourselves up 
if that makes sense, right? Because yeah. Eastern culture largely is don't stand out. Don't, you know, don't make a lot of noise. Don't draw attention. You're going to make a fool. Don't, you know, like, right. like don't embarrass yourself, you know? So you just kind of keep your head down, work hard. Mm-hmm. Don't make a lot, draw a lot of attention, you know? But I think inside of us, in this American culture that we live in, right? It really requires that of us, right? Like, right. so when we talk about leadership, right? It's usually the most charismatic. It's usually kind of the, the guy that's loudest and is able to speak their mind. And people tend to kind of gravitate towards that, you know, persona. Mm-hmm. Um, and being this quote unquote set apart. So all that to say, I, I feel like there's, there's this tension, mm-hmm. you know, in our Asian Americanness, that I feel like what you're feeling is not that different than, yeah. I mean, honestly, what I feel at times, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I wonder, you know, kind of two parts, like if there was some advice for me before we kind of switch gears, uh, but then two, there, it was, is there advice for other people that might feel what you are working through at the moment, Yeah, um, you know? Yeah. I definitely agree that it's an Asian American thing. You know how we're, we're so, we put a lot of weight on age, right? Like the hierarchy, like older people are kind of higher than you. Like, because mm-hmm. if I'm thinking about it, I don't, I honestly, I don't know if I would have felt as intimidated by you if you were the same age as me or if you were younger. Like, give, <laughs> if everything were the same, but your age was different, I don't know if I would have felt that way. Um, but, but to answer your first question, I don't, I don't know that it's anything to do with you. I, I think it's almost 100% me. Um, yeah. I mean, oh, so a funny, funny story. I don't know if you remember, but a long time ago, we, I was at coffee by hand. Um, I was in line, like getting something. And then you were like, and then I heard a voice from behind me say, Hey, and it turned out it was you. And then you were just like, Hey, like good seeing you. And I was like, Oh, hi. But it I was in the, the thick of being intimidated by you. I was just like, Oh, <laughs> hi, good to see you. And like, nothing really like, um, um, happened from there, but that all that to say, um, it wasn't like you were standoffish or anything like that. Like you, like when you saw me, you said hi and, and all that. So, um, I don't think there's really anything from your end. Uh-huh. Um, but to answer the second question, yeah, I think it's, a uh, intentionality. Um, and it's recognizing it. First of all, if, if, you if there are people out there who feel similarly that I do to you to other people, I think first it's really recognizing why that's happening, the way that I've kind of identified. Um, and then yeah, just stepping out. Um, because I mean, really, when I sent you that text message, the worst that could have happened was you saying no. But you know, that's like <laughs> that's not that's not the end of the world, right? Okay, like EJ said no, like that's fine. But you know, um, but because I took that step to say yes, I got two episodes, you know, <laughs> like, like the, there you go. the upside was, shall receive. Right? <laughs> the upside was way more than the downside. Um, so yeah, I think it's recognizing it and then, and then just being able to say, let's, let's, you know, just try it. Let's try to step out of that comfort zone. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I no, think. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Anyway, all that, yeah. All that to say, I, I really, one, I appreciate you stepping out. I, I mean, I commend you. I, um, you know, and, and then two, like, um, I, I feel like it's, it's kind of the norm and mm. I feel like it's in some way, like, and again, this is just a working hypothesis. I feel like it's getting somewhat worse. 
Hmm. Uh, and I think it's it's almost indicative of these future generations. And I feel like it's really important that one we champion people because of this very reason. Yeah. You know, and I think you know we kind of left off. Um, you know, when we we're talking about ARC, like honestly, like my heart. There's a lot of different things, but you know, one of the the big things that really drive me um, is is my desire to to champion people, you know, mm. like and particularly young people. And you know, we talked about this in passing when we were talking about Hamid about like being able to stand on people's shoulders, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I really take that to heart, you know. And it's not me like saying woe is me. Like I wish I had someone's shoulders to stand on, um, but it's like you know what, like it's got to start somewhere mm. it's you know what i mean like and it yeah. just takes it it's got to start with one generation or one person or something where you're like all right well you know like um you know why not why not now you know yeah. and yeah. and really championing and, and wanting people and rooting for uh, particularly younger people to to step out more but i feel as though and again like i said it's, it's a bit of a a leap but you know with with social media and the ways that it's starting to influence and inform our sense of self mm. right um and and how easy it is to compare yourself with other people these days yeah uh and not just like yeah the way you can compare yourself to the best version of other people does you know what i mean and right. and all of a sudden and then but when you look at yourself, you're not looking at your best version. When you look in the mirror, what are you looking at? You're looking at the the part that you hope no one else sees, you know? Yeah. And then you put that, the worst of you, up against the best of someone else, you know? And it mm. kind of, I think, leaves people in this place of, like, not good enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or an imposter, right? Because yeah. they're now having to fabricate a persona, right, for the likes, for the whatever you know mm. and uh and i think it really I, I don't see how it couldn't affect people mm. like i just can't especially as they as people start this at a younger and younger age right you know what i'm yeah. saying like and now it's going to inform them for the rest of their lives mm. you know and uh yeah and so all that to say like it's it's concerning to me um, in a lot of ways, I don't know how to address it mm. uh, per se and and stuff. But I think having conversations like this is really helpful. And I think you know being able to yeah encourage and challenge and you know champion people in the process I think is is equally as important. You know so yeah yeah I don't know anyway that's a little sidebar no and, but and I, the, yeah what you're sharing. No, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I I do think yeah social media, really there is a epidemic that's associated with social media. I mean for all the good that it does, um, I mean yeah you look at depression like teen suicide all those things they are trending upward, um, and so yeah for anybody listening who feels like they aren't good enough or like me, like you feel this imposter syndrome or you feel a need to fabricate a persona to say, hey, I'm just as good as you. Yeah, I really hope you'd stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well said, well said. 
No, but um, um, and that's why, you know, a lot of the people who come on this podcast, I'm really thankful for because they are really vulnerable and they are really raw um, with the things that they say. So I'm hoping people realize that everyone struggles. Like there is no one whose life is exactly like what is portrayed on social media. I mean, even even me, like, well, on my social media, all you all you'll see is my daughter these days. But you're <laughs> oh, you're only seeing like the really cute sides of her. But there are so many parts where it's like, as a father myself, I'm like, oh, like, can she stop doing this? So like, you know, that there's like a lot of different um, views that you're not seeing. You're only seeing the best of my daughter, right? That's so, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, thank you for bringing that up because that, that is something that I think people should think more about and try to combat, um, not just look at social media and then say, oh, I wish I was like that, but really try to understand that that's not how their life is. And that's also not the way that your life needs to be either, right? Mm -hmm. Like everyone mm -hmm. lives different lives. Everyone has different paths. Everyone has different careers, different hobbies. So um, you don't have to be exactly like everybody else. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a really good. You know, this is what I uh, miss about the KTL podcast. And you guys always had really good, like kind of nuggets of, of wisdom and life advice. like thrown about it in the episodes yeah so, yeah i miss ktl too man i'll be honest i yeah. uh i don't know yeah those are good times and yeah. you know i don't even know who was listening to be honest with you but every once in a while people are like oh you were on ktl i'm like <laughs> i was usually plan b or plan c but yeah i got on there a couple of times yeah no, no I, I remember <laughs> the, i think the most uh impressionable one for me was where you guys were kind of debating the importance of marriage. Like, does marriage really matter or not? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I thought those were really good conversations. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Good times. Good. <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'll ask you after the no, recording. Passing the mantle now, man. <laughs> I hope they hear this is the new KTL. Come on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if, if only. That's, hey. yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, and since you mentioned ARC, I was wondering if we kind of if we could kind of get uh, dive deeper into kind of Atlanta Run Club, because um, as last time we talked about Miles for Change, right, the program that you guys are doing. By the way, guys, um, anyone who likes to run, it's super easy to sign up. Um, I did it. Um, I have three miles logged so far, and so um, <laughs> I'm helping out very tiny, uh, but uh, awesome. um, it's. My 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 miles are are logged. So guys, yeah, if you, if you guys are running, please please do the same. Um, but I, I wanted to kind of get deeper and talk about what you hope to um, what you hope ATL. Or I'm sorry, um, ARC Atlanta Run Club, like mm -hmm. how it would impact the community, right? Because um, whenever I look at posts, whenever I look at the website and things like that, um, you guys always kind of emphasize that this is a community like run club that I mean, we hope to impact those around us. And you even mentioned that through ARC, you, you hope to kind of help the, the younger generations and things like that. So can, can you kind of expound upon that? Um, yes. Um, you know, I, I guess there's a lot of things that I, I hope for and dream of, you know, um, and particularly for ARC, I think, uh, and it's funny that you bring up KTL because, you know, ADRC was kind of, 
when James first started doing some of the pop-up stuff, we actually had him on and he mm-hmm. kind of shared a bit. And that's when I was first introduced to ARC. Um, uh, one, because I'm not, I'm not super heavily, in, yeah, I'm just not on social media as much. Although I'm, that's a whole other thing where I'm trying to get on it, which is kind of weird, right? <laughs> but I'm trying to be a little more <clears throat> uh, active, but, but I'm failing. I suck <laughs> at it. Um, but um, yeah, I, you know, there was so much about James's heart when it came to ARC, um, when he first came on, that kind of, you know, kind of sparked something in me, you know, mm-hmm. and and at the time I I think I was out of the ministry, proper, um, but I you know I I still kind of longed for this notion of community, mm-hmm. and I longed for kind of a, a vehicle to mobilize people to do more, right? Mm-hmm. And when I say do more, just like to be more, uh, I, I keep using the word impact, but it's not, it's not, I don't even really like that word. It just kind of is the, the vogue in buzzword, you mm-hmm. know, to talk about social good. But I just really felt like, you know, people needed to step out and, and start to, you know, basically do unto others as you would want them to do mm-hmm. unto you. And then that, that somehow community works when people aren't looking out for their best interests, but start to uh, look out for others as much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so you're always going to kind of look out for your own interests. I feel like that's just kind of the human condition, right? Like, but and, and to the extent that you're able to start caring about other people, right, and their well being, um, and kind of take on that, that notion of championing, um, and, you know, I, yeah, and I think I, I saw that in the church and that was my hope for the church. Mm. Uh, when I saw myself not in the church and even when I was in the church, realizing that it was, <clears throat> it was so insular, you mm. know, like you could only really care for people that came to church. Right. You know what I mean? And, uh, and that always kind of bothered me because it was very attractional. You know, mm. in the sense that you come to our church and we'll take care of you. You go to another church, they'll take care of you. But, you know, what about the people that don't go to church, right? And they don't feel like they can uh, fit in or whatever. Yeah. Uh, all that to say, you know, having this kind of this kind of more um, kind of community-facing but less religious kind of community um, just kind of really, I don't know, yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I don't know, just felt right, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, all that to say, I, I think <clears throat> um, for ARC, I think, you know, having a place where people from all walks, and, and you know, I know you were saying like, hey, if you're a runner, um, you know, uh, you should join ARC. But I, I'd like to really believe that ARC was, is not just for the runner. Mm. Right. It's actually for anyone that wants to uh, take control of their life, you know, through fitness. Right. Mm -hmm. Through just wanting to live uh, just more well-rounded. You know what I'm saying? And so anyone that wants to live kind of that well-rounded, balanced life, I think no one would argue that taking care of yourself physically uh, isn't one of those components Yep. of being well. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right? Yeah. 
for sure. Um, and I would even go as far as saying like, when you feel good, right? Like in terms of like, you're exercising, you're, I mean, there's natural like physiological benefits, right? Like mm -hmm. so endorphins and all those kind of things. Um, but when you start feeling good, like you start, I, I feel as though there's, there's an uptick in confidence, mm -hmm. right? And then when there's an uptick in confidence, guess what? Like this whole notion of imposter syndrome, this whole like sense of like, I'm lesser, like starts to fade a bit. Mm -hmm. And then you start to kind of step in and uh, show up in like show up in real ways. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and so I feel like ARC, you know, for me is, is a, is just a vehicle to help kind of promote the sense of like, you know, um, I kind of, I, I run this city mm. mentality, right? Yeah. Like this is my city, you know, and, um, and kind of promote that sense of, you know, I don't know, like a alpha mamba mentality kind mm. of thing. Right. Like, yeah. does that, does that make sense? Right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I, I would love to kind of foster a community that you might not feel that, but being a part of something will help kind of promote and like, you know, uh, cultivate that kind of sense of self and the and our own view and our own responsibility um, for others, mm. you know? So, yeah. so the, is the hope that through kind of being more well-rounded, like you were talking about being physically more uh, fit, I guess, and um, you're hoping that that will lead to a boost of confidence that will then lead to a, a, a notion that because I'm more confident and because like, this is my city, I'm going to take care of my city and, and kind of have that. Is that where kind of the community impact part comes in? Yeah. I mean, that's my, that's my, that's my hope. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. My hope is that if you care, if you care for the city, right. Yeah. Um, you're going to want to do whatever you can. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I've always felt like, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing for you. Like if you're in a room, right. With a hundred people. Mm -hmm. Right. And one person starts jumping, right. It's not going to affect the room. Right. Mm -hmm. And if everyone starts jumping at different times, it's really not going to affect the room, but you get a hundred people jumping at the same time. Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden the room might start to shake a bit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so if you can kind of build that groundswell where people are buying into this fact that, yeah, like I myself, but we together, mm -hmm. right? Like I myself might not be able to do anything, right? Substantial. Yeah. But we together, like we could change the world. Yeah. And we can definitely transform our community, our city, you know? And yeah. I really genuinely believe that, yeah, that's, that's the hope, mm. you know? Wow. That's great. And I think that's so awesome because that's so well represented in this miles for change um, program that you guys are doing. Cause like I said, I ran three, three miles last week, um, three miles by myself, me just running it $3. That's not going to really feed any families. Right. But, right. um, people gathering together running 3000 miles. Um, so the goal is 3000 miles before March or is it before in April? three months in three months? So, yeah. 1000 mile. Mm -hmm. It's a month mm -hmm. collectively. Right. Yeah. 
and then and and then you're hoping to to get donations to match the miles and and use the funds to feed families in the Beaufort Highway area, right? Right. 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 So yeah, that's like that right there is a perfect example of exactly what you described. Um, kind of people coming together to make uh, uh, yeah to make an impact. That's yeah. That's so great. Impact. Yeah. That's, that's the whole premise. Yeah. yeah. So um, besides that, pro is, is that kind of the only initiative that you guys have right now that's um, kind of community facing or is, is there anything else going on with ARC? Well, that's that's our first one. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, like I said, we we formalized, you know, as a nonprofit, I guess, in November of last year. Mm -hmm. um, so I, f I feel as though in some ways we're still a baby mm -hmm. um, and we're still very much in the growth stage and we're actually just to to be completely honest we're 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 piloting this right like and and then and i already see areas where we can improve mm. um but it's a demonstration project to say hey like we can we can get people uh to not only uh run but we can actually make their runs count mm. you know and we want to be able to demonstrate this in ways that we can then start to scale it right because mm. i think honestly like you know, if you really think about it, like if you in three months, right, you get 100 people to run like 10 miles a month. It's really you can get 3000 really easily. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's you know, if we can just kind of start to get that the, the momentum, a bit of groundswell, people start to buy in and saying, hey, like if we can do 3000, why not, you know, 30,000, you know, mm -hmm. and why not like start to start pressing the envelope and pressing the limits, you know, and I feel like this is just the beginning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and but I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in, you know, when you start something like, let's, let's try to do it really well, before you start something else, mm. you know, like, if this is the thing that we feel like can really get us going, let's put our energies and efforts into that, you know, and keep pushing forward. And then more opportunities will come out of it, you know. But yeah. yeah, my hope is that in this year, I mean, it's a little bit <clears throat> more challenging, largely because of the pandemic. You know, just trying to be responsible, I think, is very important. Um, yeah. You know, and, and do our part, right? Like to to minimize, um, you know, the spread and and all this kind of stuff. So it's it's been very it's been very challenging to really kind of set forth like big big goals you right. know what i mean like so yeah. a lot of this has been okay let's kind of start planning preparing and then when things start to open up like you know we're gonna we're gonna start dropping we'll, we'll do another you know annual run and we'll tie the mouse to change to it you know mm. and start to like just parlay and just build you know and um but i feel like this this little formula of activating people and creating change will be kind of foundational to the the overall success of, mm -hmm. of Atlanta Run Club. That's so awesome. And yeah. I think um, something that people need to realize is it's not merely just you running just to help those external to you. I mean, running in and of itself is very good for you as a person, right? Um, I, I think, especially for mental health, for me at least, running helps a lot. Um, it's like getting, like you were talking about getting the dopamines up and, you know, you feel good if after you run a certain amount, you get that runner's high. And I think you feel accomplished after you run. So mm -hmm. that is another kind of added 
good feel that you have um, for the rest of the day. But um, for me, who is an internal processor, running gives me a lot of space and time to process things that I haven't had time to process. Um, like, cause you know, like when you're in the thick of it, like when you're working, you know, you don't really have that much time to just stop and say, Hey, let me try to process what just happened. Um, but when you're running, um, especially if you're not listening to like an engaging podcast, not, not that I'm discouraging you guys from listening to this podcast while you're running, <laughs> but, um, yeah, if, if you give yourself enough space, to, you kind of just zone out and run like. Yeah, you, you can get a lot of things processed. So I, I think individually, personally, there's so many benefits of running. Um, and you guys still have the uh, weekly runs at ARC Studios, right? We do. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, so we have that one staple that we keep, you know, just to give people opportunity to come run together. But again, I realize because of the pandemic, you know, mm -hmm. it's we're not promoting it like really hard, right? Mm -hmm. Like because... Again, um, granted, the runs outside and, you know, and different things like that. And we try to wear masks and, and be as responsible as we can. I think yeah. um, we've we've kind of put that kind of it's not on ice, per se. We're still doing it, mm -hmm. but um, we haven't been promoting it as hard. Um, but, yeah, we, we still meet every right now during the winter. It's uh, we've been meeting on Saturday, like late morning, 11 o'clock mm -hmm. um, and just running together um, yeah. and then collecting those miles and you know i think you know moving forward as things start opening up and we we want to start activating this more we might double up the miles you know so it might be like you know double dollar you know mile day or whatever you know yeah. like starbucks is double stars you like you know like you come and run one you give two um you know just i mean we can have a lot of fun with it you know because yeah. at the end of the day it really is about us um you know, being super generous in yeah. the ways that others have been generous with us. So, mm. um, yeah, but, you know, a sidebar when we're talking about running and the benefits of running, um, and honestly, I don't, this is the first time I really thought about this, but, um, you know, so when I was in college, um, <laughs> this is, <laughs> I'm going to go way back. Uh, let's go there, David. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I actually battled with depression uh, in college. Mm um and uh suicidal thoughts like i was like i was a hot mess um and granted this was you know pre-jesus like it was post-accident uh and i was just i was just a mess you know so uh, when you say accident you're talking about so for those of you who don't know you were kind of a hot uh soccer player but <laughs> you injured your legs right is that what it was yeah so uh, yeah i don't know about the hot soccer player but i was definitely <laughs> a uh, aspiring soccer player mm. um and um i actually got run over by a drunk driver mm. and uh and so yeah like literally run over and so like i actually woke up and i was underneath the car mm -hmm. kind of run over mm -hmm. and uh you know and that was the senior year that was like the weekend of my graduation my senior year in high school and so yeah, it, you know, needless to say, it, it really just wrecked me, you know, like, and again, I, I had a pretty fragile sense of self at that point, you know, everything was my whole world and my all my identity was literally wrapped up in in this soccer player uh, person, right? right. And uh, yeah, and you know, the moment that, you know, it, it, 
it felt like it was taken from me. Um, yeah, like I just crumbled, you know, mm. like, yeah. And if you knew me in high school, I mean, I was just, I was an arrogant son of a gun, you know, like <laughs> I was just terrible. And, you know, in some ways, like it's, it was probably for the best, but, and it was inevitable. Um, but, um, yeah, and that happened. And, and so there was a period like for about two, two and a half years mm. where I was uh, super self-destructive, like, you know, um, and uh, yeah, and, and I was just on this downward spiral, you know, and um, and it was just really dark times. And I just remember, I mean, a lot of things happened, obviously, and this is not why I was bringing it up. More than anything, it was, it was, it was running. Like, help me get out of it. Wow. Yeah. Like, it was crazy because, you know, um, I, you know, so you've heard of, like, the freshman 15, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. after I stopped playing soccer and after the accident, I put on, like, 32 pounds. You know, mm. I'm not a big guy, but mm. I became a big guy, you know? <laughs> and uh, and trust me, it wasn't muscle. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, there was a certain point where I was like, you know what, like, you know, I got to stop feeling sorry for myself. I still have my legs. I can mm. still walk. If I can walk, I can run. Mm. And if I can run, I can play soccer. And so I, I kind of set for myself uh, a goal to, to make the, the Alabama soccer team. Wow. Right? And mm. so it, it wasn't, again, it's not D1. It was, it was the men's club team, right? Like we don't have a men's team at the time. And I was... You know, so, but all that to say, I was, I was determined to make the team mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. And I started running that mm -hmm. was like the first thing I did, you know, and I would just run and run and, um, yeah. And over time, you know, obviously, uh, you know, not only did I start losing weight, um, but yeah, something, something about that season of like me pursuing the school, uh, running every day and just seeing change mm -hmm. in myself completely changed the way that I saw myself in the world. Wow. You know, and, uh, and yeah. And as the story goes, like, you know, I made the soccer team, right. Uh, and then ended up becoming the, ca the captain of the soccer team, you know, and yeah, the rest is kind of history, but soccer, uh, but soccer with running played a, a huge part in me being able to like, um, yeah, just really kind of refocus my life, you know? And so, wow. yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer in running. I'm a firm believer in, you know, it can really shift even the darkest days, you know, mm. when you just get out and accomplish the one thing that you can set out to do, which is run. Yeah. Right? Like, and you set out, your, you're like, look, I want to run one mile. Right. Yeah. And it might be a run jog or I mean, be a, a run walk. Right. Mm -hmm. But I run that one mile. Guess what? I just accomplished something. Yeah. You know, and, and I feel like in life it, it start you start to drown in how difficult it is to achieve. Yeah. Right. And uh, and being able to to have little victories like every single day, like they start to add up. Yeah. You know, and I, and that's that's what I really believe that, you know, when we start activating people and people are starting to to be able to do these little things, you know, on the daily, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, that it will start to, to build some momentum and, and really create like substantial change in people. Yeah. Right. That's, that's so great. 
Yeah. yeah. And I, th I think the, like the little accomplishments adding up, um, I think that's so true because you run a mile a day for a week and suddenly you're, you're seeing that running a mile doesn't tire you as tire you out as much as it did before. So you run two miles, that's right. three miles, four miles. And then you kind of look back and say, wow, like I'm able to do this. Like yeah. what else can I apply this to in my life? And so mm -hmm. I think, yeah, that's, that's really, you know, I didn't, wait, did you talk about this on, on the, when I grow up podcast, your, your accident, no. the drunk trap. Oh, cause yeah, I, I knew that you were playing soccer, but something happened that kind of stalled you. Oh, but okay. Dang. That's crazy. That, that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. yeah, man. Yeah. You should not drink and drive. Yeah. That's... You never know. What, what can you do a person's life? Yeah. yeah. I, I had a, a different um, guest on once. Her name is Helen. Uh -huh. And she got run over by a drunk driver as well. And um, yeah, it's it was terrible. Uh, I think she still has a little, uh, I, I guess, mobility limitations in her leg because of that. Oh, wow. um, it was many years ago. But yeah. Yeah. Please don't, please don't drink, drink and drive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but on the on the topic of community impact, um, yeah. I, I wanted to really get into this as well because um, you you are executive director of ARC, but you are the operations director at a place called the Good Places, right? Yes. And you you kind of go into how you got there on the When I Grow Up podcast. So guys, um, go listen to that. Um, but I, I actually wanted to ask you about kind of as a company, like how what you guys hope to like what, what types of impact do you guys hope to have on the communities where you guys are doing these like development uh, projects and things like that? Um, okay. So, so I guess, so every project's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and so each, you know, one thing that I really appreciate about what we're able to do is um, we work with so many different groups, mm -hmm. right? Um, but, you know, our, our whole strategy is start with community, right? Mm -hmm. Start with the, the goal of affordability and work backwards, mm -hmm. right? Which is a little counterintuitive, right? Like most people are like, hey, um, uh, you know, what do you have and how much could we make? Right. Like that's ultimately what drives like the notion of, you know, living in a capitalistic society. Right. Like so capitalism, you know, at the end of the day is, yeah, when you're able to make the most amount of money for whatever that thing it is that you're using to make the money. Mm -hmm. um, really simply put. And so I think what we what we try to do is kind of work with a different ethos. Right. And so the notion of like, OK, community first. Right. And what the community always will need is something affordable. Right. That's that's not that's a, that's almost a no brainer. Mm -hmm. Right. What what whatever community that we find ourselves in, you start with the notion of like, OK, they need something they can afford <laughs> to be able to use, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, our whole idea is being able to create kind of equitable places where everyone has some sense of ec like equity in mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah, and so yeah, depending on the community um, and depending on who we're working with, you know, we're we're always kind of working to to um, yeah create something that the, the that will be kind of a catalytic project 
for that community. And oftentimes it, it revolves around economic development. Mm-hmm. It, it's usually around uh, affordable housing or um, usually around um, working with a nonprofit or some sort of community organization so that they can actually afford to set up their programming for the community in that area. Wow. Right. So in some way, like we don't, it's not a, it's not like, a, a, you know, A to C relationship, right? Um, it's usually we work with B and B works with C and mm-hmm. C being the community. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? And so, yeah, I mean, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit difficult to be able to say, Hey, it's just this one thing. But I think that, that our pillars really end up starting with doing something for the community and making it affordable. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's usually <laughs> how it, how it goes simply put. Yeah, I, I think equitable housing is such a huge thing, um, especially mm-hmm. in Atlanta. And what I'm realizing is like gentrification is happening in so many areas that's making a, a housing like unaffordable to a lot of the people that are there. So right. one really kind of egregious example of this, um, my wife, when she was in college, she used to live in like the Lindbergh area. Yeah. And there was like, she, she lived in this apartment, but right across the street were kind of like shabbier apartments, like really affordable housing. And I, I heard it was subsidized by the government. So mm-hmm. like a lot of people um, um, that I, I found that a lot of like immigrants lived there, mm-hmm. um, but like they were, it was nice for them because it's like close to Limburg, like in that, like they were able to get to Marta and all, all those kind of things. Yeah. But um so this was when she was in college, but then when we went back to the area, like after we were married, we found that all the affordable housing was like raised, like they were all gone. Um, yeah. So, and then what we heard was that like another apartment developer was coming in, mm-hmm. they were going to build more apartments yeah. and it, it, it didn't seem like affordable housing projects mm-hmm. that were coming mm-hmm. in. So mm-hmm. that just made me think, wow, like the people who lived here, whose whole lives were there, like their jobs were probably there, all those kind of things. Now they have no other option but to move to a different area because they're not going to be able to afford um, housing in that area because yeah. of the new construction. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. Affordable housing for people. It's, it's such a huge thing because um, yeah, they're, you don't really have a lot of mobility in our society, I feel like, because you're, you're tied to your area because that's where you work. That's where you you know get everything done. So right. suddenly having to uproot and go somewhere else means you have to find a new school to put your kids in. You, you probably have to find new jobs. Um, you have to figure out, you know, what kind of community support you have there. Like there's so many things that you have to do. Right. So, right. yeah, that's that's really great that you guys kind of have have it as a mission to provide affordable housing. I think even just that on and of it in and of itself has a huge impact to the community. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, I'd like to believe, I mean, you know, and again, I think it's, it's just interesting um, because I, I'm pretty new, right? Like I'm pretty green when it comes to this whole sector, you know, like, like I was sharing on um, when I grow up, you know, I, yeah. And and here too, I was, you know, obviously I, I, I was a pastor, you know, um, still recovering and uh you know and it's it's yeah only 
by grace, really, you know, mm-hmm. that I found myself where I am and being able to do the kind of work that I do that's still in line very much with, uh, you know, my faith and, you know, who I want to be in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I find myself really fortunate to, to be doing this kind of work. Uh, but what I'm learning really quickly is there's so many forces, you know, there's so many players and there's like the system itself is is doing exactly what it's built to do Hmm. right like the system isn't flawed right Hmm. the system is doing exactly what it's supposed to do Hmm. right yeah um and so in some ways it's not about fixing the system it's i almost feel like you have to start with a different system system wow does that make sense? Right? Yeah. Like, um, and so when people are just injecting these affordable housing projects, right? Like, so, so, so we actually don't do affordable housing projects. We do projects that are affordable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's different, right? Because affordable, pro- affordable housing projects tend to be government subsidized. Right. Um, and it's like a whole process, right? Like, so we're actually helping an affordable housing development. Mm-hmm. Um, But we're doing the community transformation portion of it. So there's a five-year community transformation plan that goes with any reef. But it really is just a check-the-box thing, right? Mm. Like, it's it's just, anyway, that's a whole other issue. But Hmm. um, so we're a part of it. So I'm getting to see a lot of kind of the uh, under the hood, kind of behind the curtains kind of things when it comes to, like, how these deals actually work, you know? And Mm at the end of the day, yeah, like, I think people are given affordable places to live. But when it's not coupled with, you know, some sort of liter, like financial literacy, or some sort of savings plan, or some sort of something to help them get from where they are, to where we as a society would like to see people get to, right, like, so some social mobility, economic wealth, uh, generational wealth um, like when the, we talk about these things but there's nothing in place to actually get them there other than some cheap housing right um, that at the end of the day like it's just going to keep them there you know mm-hmm. and the alternative is like experience homelessness you right. know and yeah. so yeah I don't know I again I I think there's there's a lot to this notion of affordability, um, and it's pretty pretty it's a pretty um, I don't know multifaceted conversation, right? Like yeah. you know, because how do you lift up a, a community out of poverty? Yeah, right. It's not just giving them something affordable to live. It's like you know, it has to it has to touch the education system. It has to touch you know, like. Uh, financial kind of literacy and understanding and how to save money and and then it's like raising like the minimum wage and it's like you know like it's just so many different things that's going to get people up and out yeah um but the system only addresses one thing and it's just going to keep them there right because that's what the system was built to do Mm. and then it's almost like all right well we did our part you know Mm. and uh and then like you know we're working with these affordable people and i don't want to yeah Hmm. and i'm like you don't give a flip about the community like Hmm. it's crazy dude like we're like in these conversations and we're like again we really try to position ourselves to be like hey we're 
you know, we want to champion the community. I mean, with, of course, it's business, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah. it's within reason. Like, you're not going to do it at a loss, mm-hmm. but you don't have to do it at maximum gain. Like, you can, you can make money and do good. Yeah. Right? Like, it's possible. Mm-hmm. It's just about your appetite for how much money you want, right? Yeah. Um, relative to, to the level of good, right? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> and you just realize, like, you know, we're working with this group and they're just like, we're like, hey, let's, you know, engage the community, see what they want, what are they looking for, how can we help them, like, let's listen to the community, let's set up all these meetings, et cetera, et cetera, and they're like, why? You know? Wow. They're like, why? You know, and we're like, hey, we're going to, we're going to cut, we're going to set aside $20,000 to just engage the community, hmm. right? $20,000 sounds like a lot of money, but the development is $15 million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're like, your development like this development is $15 million and you uh, won't set aside $20,000, right? Yeah. To just make sure that the community is taking ownership of this because the moment that we build it and we leave, they have to, it's theirs. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the community has to see it every day. They have to interact with it every day. They have to know, you know, again, and it's something as simple as like, which way is the building facing? right Mm. you know how open is it to the community is it a fortress like you know Mm, how like how does it work with the the master plan and the urban design of the whole you know and so it's all these little things and you're like hey let's this is what it means to you know engage the community and have this participatory process Mm -hmm. right uh and they're just kind of like no we don't you know other thing is they're white. <clears throat> I don't want to make this about race because this could go on a, a whole nother thing, but they're white. The mm. communities that we oftentimes find ourselves working in is predominantly people of color, right? Mm-hmm. It's one project, um, it's like 79, 75, 79% black, mm-hmm. right? You got a white developer, the lead developer is white on this affordable pro- project. Their whole team's white. And we're like, hey, we should probably at least look at employing some people of color or like black owned businesses or businesses owned by minorities, female run. Like, we're just like, Hey, like we need to kind of distribute the $15 million in an equitable way. Yeah. Like don't just play with the people you always play with that. just Maybe they just happen to be white usually. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, why don't we, you know, start interviewing, talking to other people, and, and like you, you, the amount of pushback that we've gotten, right? And they're like, like so. There's this one, you know, they're working with this architecture firm, and we're like, we really want a, an architecture firm that you know is employing, and if it's not at least owned, it employs, you know, people like it's a diverse company, you know, mm-hmm. if nothing else, right? Um, and they're like, oh. This company has one black architect <laughs> junior uh, that they're going to put onto our project, you know? And we're like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, they call that tokenism. And right. that's not what we're trying to do here. We're actually trying to do, you know, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so again, all that to say, mm, it's wow. like when you're, when you're up against it, and you're literally having these conversations and it's like, and it starts to get like super heated. Um, 
and learning to kind of stick to your guns and saying, hey, this is still the right thing, this, and just constantly pumping the brakes um, is, is, is part of the, the struggle. Yeah. You know, it's part of the fight. And I think that's, that's the part that people don't see mm. about the work that we get to do, right? Is trying to, it's not about it, the final product being good. It's, is the process, you know, right. that ultimately leads to a, a project being like good or successful, right? Like, so, right. Um, yeah. So anyway, so that's, that's a little bit of, <laughs> you know us mm. like you know we're we're definitely david uh in this story right like we're we're like kind of the the underdog yeah uh, our company um is really just me me and uh my my mentor and you know colleague um and then a handful of allies really you know mm. that are trying to to shift and change the way and demonstrate that yeah developments don't have to always have this black eye, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's good places. You know, um, the, the sad thing kind of from hearing your story and even just looking at how wealth uh, pooling happens, right? Because mm -hmm. there's a huge wealth gap that we have in this country, right? Mm -hmm. um, the 1% progressively, right? They're controlling all, the majority of, I think the, the um, statistic I saw was the 1%, the top 1% of uh, uh, rich people in this country can like own more wealth than the bottom like 60 or something crazy like that. And so, um, yeah, I, what do you think about this notion? So I think I know the answer. So th I think I think naively, I used to think that when people got to a certain wealth level, that they would be more interested in social capital, right? Like being like doing good to the community, doing good for the community, rather than continuing to line their own pockets or their bank accounts, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think, do you see people that, uh, do you come across people who are that way? Or do you mostly just see people who are still kind of more interested in just making a profit and oh there's a little side benefit of being able to say i was a part of this like affordable project um again i don't i don't, I don't know i mean it's hard to say i feel like my sample size is really small mm. you know um but i i do realize that there are a lot of um i i feel like there are a lot of uh, like uh, imposters, <laughs> hmm. right? Um, what do you mean? Um, in the sense that they they say all the right things, right about community and equitability, and they just but they're using it for their own gain. I see. Right. Hmm. So they they're learning the game. They're learning kind of the language, and hmm. then they're leveraging that to be able to. You know, whether it's getting grants or whether it's, you know, finding investors or doing, you know, like all these kind of things where they're, they're, they're quote unquote creating these, you know, uh, community projects. But at the end of the day, like when you look at their impact, it's, it's minimal, hmm. you know? Wow. And so, you know, like we've actually like turned down deals 
where you know you meet with potential investors or co-invest or co-developers and they're like hey we want to do this thing and they're like yeah you know this is all about the community but then you're like okay well then what are we going to do with the profits right so we we try to implement some sort of threshold on the profit like so we throttle our profits mm -hmm. right like so um <clears throat> so typical development i mean if you do it really well like you're going to get say 20% return on your investment, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's, that's, that's usually minimal for most projects. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the floor. Um, for us, you know, when we do like affordable projects or impact projects, like we're shooting right around 15, right? 12 mm -hmm. to 15. But, you know, in the sense that the project goes well, you know, um, you know, we don't blow our budget. We're able to keep underneath all that kind of stuff. Like, we'll we'll cap it at twenty five percent profit, mm -hmm. right? So all of our investors know that if we if we hit twenty five, which we rarely do, but if mm -hmm. we hit twenty five, that whatever excess of twenty five is going to go into some sort of community fund mm -hmm. that's going to go back to the community. So the idea is like when we win, they win, mm -hmm. right? You know, and so that somehow we can we can distribute in a way where, yeah, like it it can, uh, you know, benefit the community when yeah. you do your project well. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. So, um, but when we bring that up to people, as like, hey, this is this is how we work. You'd be surprised at the number of people that are supposed to be community minded. And they're like, why would we do that? You know, and I'm like, 25% is not, you're not being cheap. Yeah. You know I mean, 25%, if you make 25% of return on anything, like, what do you make at your bank? What, 0. 0.6? <laughs> right, right. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, like, what do you make in your high yield savings? Like, one? You mm -hmm. know, like, literally, it, you know, on, yeah, on a project that turns 25% on your return, right, is, is quite a lot. Yeah. You know, and when you're talking about, like, millions of dollars you know that's a lot yeah. you know and so when you're like hey like even if you're one one percent over two percent over that threshold and you're able to give it back to the community you're looking at six figures easy just being dumped back into the community just for whatever you know yeah. whatever the programming whoever the partner you know and uh yeah so i i, I again i think that's that's part of the you know um you know, kind of our uh, uh, guiding principles, mm -hmm. you know, how we choose to try to work. And, you know, and again, you realize not, not everyone shares that, even though they say the same thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. So you run into that. I don't know if I answer your question, but there's a lot of people that are, I feel like just a bunch of posers. <laughs> um, and then when it actually comes down to like hitting you in the pockets, they like, I, I don't know if that's, yeah. I'm down for that, you know? Yeah. Um, so no, but it's, it's sad, but I'm kind of hopeful at the same time because I'm, I'm sad that there are developers like that out there, but I'm glad that there are places like good places that <laughs> do have that mindset. Right. Um, cause you're right. It, it is in a capitalistic society. It is really counterintuitive to say, Hey, we're going to cap our profits. Right. Cause we're always all about maximizing profits. Um, right. so the, the fact that there are people, groups like you, you guys out there um, who 
want to have that positive community impact, it's it's really good to hear. I'm I'm hopeful that there can be more people like you guys. Um, yeah, in the future. And I so kind of the last question I want to ask you, EJ, um, as a person who, so oh, actually two questions. First question: Do you seek out these kind of community impact roles, or do you just kind of happen to <laughs> to them? Uh, what? Hold on. What do you, what do you mean? Do I seek out these roles? Cause, um, with, with ARC, right. Um, one uh-huh. of your goals is to have community impact with mm-hmm. good places. The goal is to have community impact. Mm-hmm. So are these roles that you took on because it had the prerequisite of it's going to have impact to the community or did you kind of come upon them? And then it just happens to be an organization that has impact to the community. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, it's hard to say. I, I'd like to believe. Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely drawn to more community-oriented mm. organizations, just as a whole. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's just I just gravitate towards those things. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so making a difference, doing good, making your life count. Like those are those are values that I think I that drive me as a person as a being. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I I have one life and I want to make it count. Mm. You know, and I think honestly, I'll be honest. Like this, going back to the accident, like this is one of the repercussions of my accident, which is crazy, right? Like, mm. but there was a moment where something flipped. Sorry, I don't. That was really <laughs> there's there's there was a switch that that flipped. And this is how I came to my faith. This is how I kind of started reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. And this notion that like, I should have died that night that I got hit by the car and realizing that I kind of had this second chance. And that's kind of a, a typical narrative. But I think what that really drove home to me was, I, if I only get, if I get another chance at life, I want to make it count. Right. And I'm like, if I'm and the the only way that I could possibly see that actually like be lived out is like living it for others. Wow. Does does that make sense? Right? Yeah. Like yeah. you know, so I was <laughs> it was funny because in high school I was I was really I told you I was really arrogant <laughs> and I was really very like I'm like I was all about me, right? Like, so I would even kid around and be like, you know, you know, I'm trying to get my PhD in meology, right? Like, <laughs> just, just, I'm just trying to do me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you didn't like me, then, you know, go, go find someone else. I don't know. Like, it was just one of those weird things. And you know, I was young and, yeah, and just like I said, arrogant and and probably a bit naive too. Um, but that's how I lived, you know, up until my accident. You know, like I, you know. Like I thought I was God's gift, um, and then I got hit by a car, and then I was like, "I, I think I am." You know, like <laughs> it was this kind of moment where I was just like, "Yeah, I, I need to make this one count." Mm. And um, and so ever since then, I was always looking for opportunities to, to serve, to volunteer, to you know, and I think that's why I naturally landed in this kind of pastoral place you know mm-hmm. where i was just like giving myself to other people and you know and 
but I also realized that, <clears throat> you know, for some of the reasons that we talked about, like it wasn't community facing enough, mm, right? Like yeah. as much as I thought the church was about community, I, I realized it was really hard, right. you know, like again, it's a systems issue, right? Like the, the institution of a church was set up to be very attractional and is built on people in, in the seats, in the mm -hmm. pews, mm -hmm. right? Not necessarily uh, out on the streets, right? So right. Um, I, I think part of me leaving and stepping off the pulpit and making this turn wasn't because I lost my religion. It was really like, I think I was trying to find a, you know, a different side of it. Right, right. And, um, and yeah, so, yeah, I, I think I am naturally drawn to these things. Now, with that being said, mm -hmm. you know, I find something that could work and I'd like to believe that I'd like try to put my imprint on it, right? So I think ARC had a community bend to it. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm probably pushing a little bit harder to make it more community impact oriented as opposed to just community oriented, mm -hmm. if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Like, so it's not just about bringing people together and being together, right? I think it's bringing together people for a purpose, right? Um, that's bigger than ourselves, right? And mm -hmm. so there's that ARC side and then, yeah, in, in good places, it kind of comes at a different angle, right? Like, mm -hmm. so doing community development through real estate, I think, uh, I don't think I was looking for that, but um, yeah, I, I somehow just in the conversations and the people that I was drawn to to try to talk to mm -hmm. about community development and doing good in communities, um, <clears throat> I, I just kind of stumbled across this opportunity. You know what I mean? So, gotcha. yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I, I wish I could say, and yeah, this is exactly what I was looking for. It was <laughs> just a lot of wandering, but I knew which way I was heading, mm. you know? Yeah. So, so I, I don't know if I need to ask the second question because the second <laughs> question was going to be then like, do you have any advice for people who want to have community impact like you do? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll ask it. Do you do you have any thoughts? Any <laughs> I think advice? You already did. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I. <clears throat> for people who want to have community impact, uh, so what's the question? Yeah. So the the question is: Do you have any kind of guiding like advice for people? Because the, the well, the reason why I said I don't know if I need to ask it is because. Mm -hmm in your example i think that's really good advice right um like um being gravi gravitating toward those things kind of landed you where you are right so mm -hmm. kind of like not I, I guess the what i take from what you said is mm -hmm. like if i want to have an impact to the community then i need to seek those things out not just expect it to land on my lap somehow or to 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 expect it to be just out there somewhere waiting for me to like pluck it off the grapevine or something, but it's, it's something that might take a little bit of time through wandering, but it's something that you can actually seek out and, and, and get to, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of the advice I took for myself, but do you have any other pieces of advice for people who want to make community impact, but you know, might not know where to start? Yeah, I mean, so the, commu the word community impact is, is actually really broad, mm -hmm. right? So, um, I, I don't know, maybe 
I would probably approach it a couple ways. So if I were, if I were coaching someone doing mm-hmm. some life coaching and they were like, I really want to do this kind of stuff. I think what I would tell the, tell people is one, um, uh, try to get as many different kind of conversations with a bunch of people doing different kinds of things. Mm. Right. Right. So don't, don't just sit there uh, and try to figure it out by yourself, yeah. but try to get in conversations with people who are doing different things, but kind of in the, the direction or the vein that you want to be in. Right. Like, so for yeah. me, it was community development. That was like, that was my big overarching kind of umbrella. Like mm-hmm. who's doing community development, you know, and particularly kind of with a faith-based kind of lens, mm-hmm. right? Um, but they didn't have to be like explicit, just, you know, um, but who, who's doing good, right? Like in the communities. And so I, I literally tried to set up two like coffee dates a week. Wow. Yeah, so I would just randomly hit people up. So this is where, you know, David, what you were saying to me was, uh, you know, about stepping out, mm-hmm. you know, this notion of like, you know, what I what I would call like in the past, like kind of walking in the opposite spirit, mm-hmm. right? Like, so if there's a spirit of timidity or fear, like try to be bold and try to be courageous, you know, and just kind of step out, you know, beyond yourself, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> And, and say exactly what you just said to me earlier was like, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. Just own it, you know, just be like, yeah, what's the worst that can happen, right? Yeah. And, and if nothing else, let that be fuel for, for you to get to that next place, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I'm like, in spite of, right? Like, so who, whomever like wouldn't help me or give me the time, I'm like, well, I'll do it without you then. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, yeah. again, it, <laughs> You know, it's a, I think it's a shift, right? It's a shift in your in your kind of attitude. Hmm. Um, yeah, and so, you know, so I would say, you know, talk to as many people and understand, like, and try to hone in on a particular sector of whatever it is in that impact that you want to do. Is it is it like mental health? Is it hmm. affordability? Is it like, um, I don't know, like, I don't know, homelessness? Is it... Uh, yeah, it, the, the, the idea of impact and doing good it, in a broken world, it's like endless. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be honest, like there's yeah. so much that you can do uh, and to create quote unquote impact. Um, and so figuring that out, I think, would be step one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think step two um, is, you know, like give, making yourself available. Yeah. Right. Like, again, I, I know this doesn't apply to everyone, but in the case that you are able to volunteer, right, or intern or just get some experience, you know, like you don't have to get the job. Mm-hmm. Right. Because literally, like I, I just volunteered. Like, I don't. Um, and, and then it just kind of started in kind of a, con- you know, a project. You know, it was like a contract and then all of a sudden like I got a job and then that job became like, hey, I'll give you like equity, you know, like so it just wow. kind of became this like thing. But literally it started with me just saying, hey, can I just help? Can I just help you? Huh. You don't have to pay me. Uh-huh. You don't, you know, like and, uh, you know, we don't have to negotiate a contract. I just I would love 
to learn more about what you're doing right now with, you know, real estate, you know, with the wow. development, you know, and mm. it so happened that she needed help, mm. you know, but she didn't have any money. She couldn't pay me per se. Mm-hmm. Right. But I was like, that, that's cool. Like, no worries. Like, we'll figure that out, you know, yeah. like, and so, yeah, just giving yourself and willing to volunteer yourself, you know, like almost humbling yourself and saying, like, I'm not entitled to much. Like, I just want to learn. Wow. Taking that posture of like learning, yeah. um, I think is like super important, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, you know, the, the couple things that I always kind of tell people um, is there's only two things that you can control in life, right? Is, uh, is your, your attitude and your effort. Like those are the only two things wow. that like you that. genuinely have control over. Yeah. Is how hard I try and the attitude that I take into it, you know. Yeah. And um and I feel like when when those two things are kind of level set, mm-hmm. right? Um with good attitude and hard work, like good things usually happen. Mm-hmm. I genuinely believe that. It's mm-hmm. not guaranteed, right? But um you know, the chances are definitely a lot higher right you know um so yeah that's (laughs) yeah no that's great that no that's thank you so much for that (laughs) wow you so your your role at um good places started out as a volunteer (laughs) like you were just that's amazing wow yeah Yeah. (laughs) literally volunteered and just try to make myself valuable you know Mm. what i mean like just worked hard like if I didn't know how to do something, I learned it, you know, mm, yeah. um, and just kept on, yeah, just taking that kind of posture and, you know, I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, it's mostly grace. I can't really <laughs> take a lot of credit for it, but I think the one thing I could take care of for is, you know, I think I had a good attitude going in, mm. like a good posture and, uh, and I worked really hard, Yeah. you know, and I like to believe that I still kind of work pretty hard, um, <laughs> you know, but. Yeah, last week you were working at like 9 p.m. I'd say that's working really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I think <clears throat> when the company's your company, mm. there there really isn't a lot of uh, breaks. Mm. <laughs> there's no paid vacation. There's no, yeah, there there's no like end to the yeah. work. Like you just have to do it, you know? Mm. Um, but I think that, the beauty is like you, you get to participate in the upside. Yeah. You know, like, so when, when the company wins, like you feel like you're winning, Yeah, you know, um, which is for me personally, I think I'm, I'm built that way. You know, I'm definitely not, I'm not built to be, you know, just a nine to five kind of guy, I think, Mm. you know, um, but I know plenty of people are, you know, like my wife is my wife. She has no ambition to be like, (laughs) you know, to own or, you know, rise the ranks or do whatever. Like she's just kind of like, she does her job and she does it really well, you know, and faithfully Mm -hmm. and she's good. She's good clocking at five o'clock and not thinking about work again, you know, (laughs) until the next day. Like she's totally built for that. Yeah. Um, So, so yeah. 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 Well, EJ, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for, um, I think inspiring me and I'm sure people who who are listening for inspiring them as well. Cause yeah, it's, it's, it's sad to hear about the people who are just, who, who, like you were saying, are kind of posers who say they want to make this 
community impact, but then not really when it comes to actually, you know, sacrificing the dollar bills for, for that. Um, but um, thank you that you are someone who is not like that way or who is not like that. Um, and that you, you are part of an organization that uh, seeks to actually make community change and community impact. So I'm, I'm really hoping that people who are listening um, get inspired by this and yeah, seek to be that way as well. Um, I, I, like you were saying, in a broken world, in a broken world, there is no shortage of uh, um, areas of the community that need help that that, that need to be impacted. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Um, and uh, yeah, any last thoughts before we end our yeah, time? Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, you know, David, I think in many ways, like I I feel like you're doing community impact work as well. And I want to commend you and just call that out, you know, because, yeah, it might not look the same, mm -hmm. right? But like you were saying before, like, it doesn't have to, mm -hmm. you know, like, we all just need to show up in the in the places uh, that w we find ourselves and show up, you know, um, as our best self. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. that might not be how we feel at the moment. And it might not be how we view ourselves at the moment, but I, I just want to commend you, you know, yeah. for keep pushing the envelope, continuing to set new limits for yourself, continuing to strive and create the the kind of impact in the community that you you uh, feel called to, you mm -hmm. know, um, through this podcast and wh wherever this leads, wherever it might be, you know, so. Yeah, congratulations on a hundred episodes, bro. Thank like you. that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. You know? So Yeah, so this will actually be uh, episode one oh one. So you're the yeah. this episode's first in the the hundreds. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's that's Thank amazing. You. Like it's a testament <laughs> to your faithfulness, man. Like seriously. Wow. Trust Thank me, you. having been doing podcasts um and having abruptly stopping a podcast, <laughs> you know, I realize it it's it's a grind. Like it's hard work, you know, and it's not like you have a whole team like pulling it all, all together. So mm -hmm. anyway, all that to say, man, like I, I commend you, you know, um, big ups to you for, wow. for Thank doing you. what you're doing. And yeah, and don't sell yourself short, man. Like you're doing big things, you know, <laughs> and yeah. And, and so the impact sometimes are, is, is not, not easily measured, mm. you know, mm -hmm. And that's just kind of the trust, right? Like you just do your part and then mm. you just trust that, uh, yeah, that God will do the rest, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, anyway. Man, thank you so much. I'm very inspired and encouraged. <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, guys, uh, anyone listening out there who, who has any feedback or any questions or any thoughts, um, please feel free to reach out. All the ways that you can uh, contact us is going to be in the descriptions of the podcast. So please go there. Um, and I'm sure um, any t questions that you have towards EJ, he'll be more than happy to answer those as well. Well, well thank super approachable. Yeah, so approachable. Because <laughs> I'm guys. so approachable, not intimidating at all. <laughs> not okay, guys, I don't care what <laughs> you think just because I'm a little bit older, you know, and, you know, talk a lot. <laughs> just, Anyway, sorry. no. As a person, I didn't, who, I didn't mean to interrupt. Please. No, no, no. <laughs> as a person who who used to think EJ was intimidating, I can I can attest to the fact that he is very approachable, and I'm sure you guys heard it on this podcast as well. <laughs> so yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.